Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. So the title of my message, I don't always give him titles, but it is, his name is Emmanuel. Would you put that first slide up? His name is Emmanuel. God with us. You know what's interesting is this is usually only talked about at Christmas. And the reason why is that it is mentioned three times in scriptures, the word Emmanuel. The first time is in Isaiah 7:14, when Isaiah is prophesying that a virgin will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then it's mentioned again in Isaiah in the next chapter. But where I want us to turn to is Matthew 1.23 of the fulfillment of this. His name is Emmanuel. Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I want to challenge us today that we've taken Emmanuel to be a Christmas word, and it's supposed to be a daily word for the believer. We are to live with Emmanuel, God with us. It literally means the with us God. How much different would you live if you were aware that God is with you 24-7? So I want you just to take a moment, look at your week, this week that just went past. What would have been different in some outcomes of your week if you would have stopped and said, God, you're with me? God, you're with me. I feel like the Lord's challenge is, I want you to be so aware that I am with you and that you can't live without me, that you live so dramatically different that people want to know me. That doesn't just happen. It's a purposeful, God, you're with me. I think it's honoring when he's paid this highest price. God didn't want to live without us, so much so that he took the cross and died so he could be with us. And it started here. It was prophesied in Isaiah, and then it's fulfilled here that he is born and he's with us. The reason he did that was so he could live in us, but he had to come and be one of us first. So I... Some of the challenges to this. Emmanuel, God with me, God with you. You know what I hear? I don't feel like he's with me. Okay, so somebody's lying. Either God or your feelings. Which one do you think it is? Which one are you living by? 
We're supposed to live by the truth. What God, is, says, what God says is true, whether I believe it or not. But when I choose to believe it, it changes me. It transforms me. It, it changes my circumstances because I'm different. I respond differently to those circumstances. But if I don't choose to believe that God is with me, I don't change. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it's quoting the Old Testament. This is said many times. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, that word forsake means to give up something formally held dear, to renounce something, to leave it all together, to abandon, to depart or withdraw from, to leave. That's what forsake means. But God says, never will I leave you nor forsake you. So let's go back to those feelings. I feel like God has forgotten me. I feel like God's in Zimbabwe on vacation and left me. Think about your prayer life. Think about things you've said about God. Where are you? The Lord, we've been talking about this, God and I, and it's just been really fun the last couple of weeks. And he goes, you know what, Beth, when you kids were little and they were in the van, because we had a minivan, and you were driving down the road, if they were crying and saying, Mom, I wish you were with me. Mom, where are you? And just lamenting and crying and whining and complaining. And I'm like, I'm right here. He goes, that's what people do to me. But we think in our lamenting and crying and whining and wailing that we're changing something. We're not. We're sinking into a pit. Because what changes things is that we believe God. And faith is acting like God told us the truth. And so I think we're asking the wrong question. Please don't feel talked down to because God will, he disciplines me all the time because he loves me. But he'll say, Beth, you're saying and believing the wrong thing. Do you want more of that? I'm like, no. He goes, then say and believe what I'm saying. So it's interesting instead of, God, where are you? Why have you left me? Wrong question. God, you said you'd never leave me or nor forsake me. God, you said not once will you let hold of your grip on me. But I don't know where you are or what you're doing right now. You say you're in me, but God, I can't see what you're seeing. Start asking him those questions. Will you show me where you're working where I don't see you? Will you show me what you're doing when I can't touch and see evidence of you? But when you start asking the right questions based on the truth that never will he leave you or forsake you because he's Emmanuel, God with you, God with me, then you find truth and circumstances start changing because it's faith that pulls heaven to earth. Faith that causes his word to manifest. And that's what we're really looking for. That's what we're really longing for. So just locate your faith in the process. Are you trying to live out your relationship with Jesus based on what other people have told you about Jesus? 
Are you in the audience of other people's stories? If God, Emmanuel, in your life is only what other people have told you, then I'm going to say you don't have a clear picture of him. I love testimonies. I love when people tell me, do you know what the Lord did? Do you know how God came through? Do you know how I got healed? Do you know how he answered this prayer? Those are testimonies. That's bragging on God. But if your only relationship with Jesus is through what other people told you, you do not have the relationship he paid for. He wants to be with us. You know, facts about him are totally different than knowing him. And when you live a life just facts, I can list facts about him, it doesn't produce the life that he gave to live in you to produce life with him, knowing him. One of the best analogies I know is you can swimming. Everybody get, get your little swimming mind on. Swimming, swimming. All right. Let's say you've never been in a pool. You've never put on one of those caps, nose plugs, ear plugs, whatever. But you want to know how to swim. So you watch videos. YouTube has tons of them. They even have videos on how to put on your swim cap. No joke. I'm confessing because I couldn't get mine to stay on and I looked up a YouTube video. <laughs> True story. So you can watch swimming video after swimming video. Let's pick a hard one like the butterfly. They make it look super easy. Have you noticed that? They tell you how to do it and all this. You can even have a swimmer speak to you and say, oh, this is what you do. But it's totally different than when you get in the water. I don't care how many videos you watched, how much you read. The fact is, you don't know how to swim. <laughs> and if all you know is facts about God, I'm going to challenge whether you know him or not. But since he's Emmanuel, God with us, and then when you asked him to come live in you, all you have to do is ask him, God, I want to know you in this way. When you know him, you're hearing from him. He's directing your path. He's correcting you. It's just like when I had shared a couple weeks ago, I just hung up the phone um, talking about a work-related issue, and the Lord spoke so clearly. And I'll always remember where I was sitting. He goes, Beth, you've partnered with complaining. And tears just started rolling down my face. I said, I'm sorry. He said, you've been doing it for two weeks. And what you've been doing internally, you're not going to no longer keep, and it's going to affect things externally. And I just repented. It broke my heart. I said, God, I am so sorry, because I know the word of God says do everything without arguing or complaining. And I, I repent. Would you forgive me? You guys, it broke something off me that I had been given permission to unknowingly. But because I know Emmanuel is God with me, he tells me when I'm off. He says, I want to correct this. So the more you get to know him, not just facts about him, he directs you. He talks to you. He'll, I love how he'll redirect my path because he loves me. That didn't change his life, but it changed everything in my life. Thankfulness and gratefulness, not one circumstance that I had been complaining about changed, but I totally changed in the midst of those circumstances. So that's knowing God. 
So I just, if you're being shaped by what other people have said, this is how I want to kind of frame this. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you relate to God as if you were a slave or as if you were a servant or as if you're a friend? I have met people through my life that have a total slave mentality when they talk about their relationship with God. Just want them to leave me alone. Just want to do what needs to be done to get by. Prayed the prayer. Won't go to hell. Just like the furthest I can stay away from them and just stay under the radar the best. There are people like that. And that's because they don't know Emmanuel like they could. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not, I'm not accusing. I'm just saying they don't realize what they're missing out on. And it's interesting because... Slave and servant in the word of God is interchanged so many times that I couldn't come up with a definitive that it always means this or it always means that. It wasn't that easy. A lot of times it's, it's flipped out. It's one for the other. But it's interesting how I do believe with a slave mentality, if you think in the time where it was common, there would be slaves that took care of property and they had outbuildings and they were minimally cared for. Then there were servants, and they would have quarters in the house or in close proximity to the house because they had interactions with the master. It's a different relationship. Um, We recently went to Biltmore, and I was impressed with the servants' dining room. It was really awesome. It was nice and all of that, but this is where they ate. Their quarters were nice, but they had to be aware of what the master might want, what who they worked for would be wanting. And I think it's interesting how if we just have a slave mentality of distance from the master and we don't even know him, really, we just know about him, or a servant mentality where I'm in closer proximity, there's interaction with the master, I get to know his habits, his likes, wishes, dislikes. Did you know you could ask God what he likes? God, what do you like? You guys, it's really fun. Your next day off, say, God, what do you want to do? Literally ask him, what do you want to do with me today? Don't be shocked if he says, I want you to take $500 and go bless people. And I'll tell you who, and I'll tell you where, and I'll tell you when. An adventure with God? Man, like that is getting to know his likes. There's things he likes, there's things he doesn't like. But what about the friendship? What about that level of knowing God? You know, a friend is in the same room, sits around the same table, sometimes knows what their friend wants before they even ask. I believe with all my heart we get to choose we get to choose which position we want to be in. I also just really want to say, the closer you are to God, the more you serve. So the servant changes. In friendship and real in love with God, your ability to serve grows. And it becomes so powerful. So I don't think we ever get away from being a servant. I I mean, I know we don't. Because we'll read in the word where, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'd like us to turn to Matthew 25. 
starting in verse 14. It's the parable of the talents. I thought it was really interesting. The Lord says, I want you to go there. And I said, eh, that's about money. That's about stewardship. That's about, and he goes, no, I want you to see something else in this story. So it's in this parable of talents, starting Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug the dug in the ground, and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Lord, there, you have what is yours. Now stop there for a minute. It's really interesting. What we see in this is the master knew his servants. It says he gave each according to their ability. Isn't that awesome? God's not going to give you something, ask you to do something that he doesn't fully believe that you and him can pull off together. What he's called you to, what he's put dreams in your heart that seem impossible or you're thinking, not me, I can't do that. He's a faithful master and he gave them according to their ability. But what I find super interesting here is the first two in my, this is according to Beth, I believe it's in the word, but they had a relationship with the master and they were excited about being entrusted with something. They knew the master's expectation. I mean, they just got busy. They did what they would do in being faithful. But it's interesting. I want to suggest that the third one had a slave mentality. He didn't know the master. Did you see how he just accused him? This is the same master that the other two said, look what I've done. And they were excited to see him and they were excited to give an account. And, but what's happened? This third one had a different relationship. And that's why I think you can have a slave mentality when God's asking you to have a friendship servant mentality and become close. When he said, I was afraid, When he said, I knew you to be a hard man. I want to suggest when I get into a slave mentality, I think the worst of God. I want to accuse him. 
It never works out good for me, you guys. I want to suggest it never works good for you either. When you find accusations coming out of your heart, through your, even if it's just going through your brain, then when it comes out your mouth, you need to say, whoa, wait a minute. This slave mentality was chained to expectations that were wrong. He was begrudging in all that he did. He accused God. And actually, maybe I'm reading into it, but it kind of feels like he's a victim. A little bit of a victim mentality. Like, God, you set me up to fail. That's not knowing the master. Emmanuel, God with us, there's not one thing you and I are going to face in our job, in our marriage, in parenting, in our car going down the highway, that he is not with us. Are we accessing that? God, you're with me. I have learned to say, oh, when I get surprised, like when something just turns my world upside down, I have trained myself to say, okay, God, whew, I didn't see this coming. But you saw it before it happened. What do I do? You're with me. Totally changes the anxiety level, the belief level, the expectation. It doesn't get me into accusing and blaming and, and afraid. That third servant, slave, was afraid. I loved how the first two, the Lord said, well done. Here's more. I'm trusting you with more and enter into the joy of the Lord. And my Bible cross-referenced that to Psalm 1611, which I'm sure everybody has heard. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Doesn't that sound like a God with you? In his presence? At his right hand? Isn't that where we want to be? To experience that kind of joy, that kind of fulfillment, that kind of honoring him with our life? But it's, what are we thinking and I want to say, if you think back to your week and it was horrible or you're going through the worst thing you've ever gone through or whatever, I want you to know the lie of the enemy is that it's just way too hard. God's so far off and there's no way. And the Lord says, oh, it's inches. The enemy lied to you and said, you're miles from where you should be. God's miles from where, and God says, it's perspective, it's inches. Turn your eyes back to him. I just love that the closer we are to God, the better we are at serving. The closer we are of knowing he's with me, he's in me. This is his plan for me, is to walk with him. Let's talk about friend. If do you relate to God as a friend, this was so much. A good reminder for me. I think it's possible for all of us to be known as a friend of God. We tend to quote it as these that are, I'm just gonna kind of highlight. But God says that's for everybody. Just not everybody chooses it. So I'm wanting you to know in case you've never heard it, you will not be able to unhear it. God has given you an invitation to be his friend. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with it? Let's talk about Enoch. He walked with God and was not. Wow. Wow. 
I think somebody should have that close of relationship that it happens again. I don't know. I think it's awesome. Hebrews 11.5 says, For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What does the Bible teach us about pleasing God? How do you please God? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Enoch had so much faith, he didn't have to die. He just went. I love that. I'd call that friendship. God just says, I want you up here with me. I don't want this distance anymore. How about Abraham? James 2.23. Let's read that one. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Huh, he believed God. That sounds like faith to me. And he was called the friend of God. This is so interesting. In Genesis 18, God's getting ready. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Genesis 18, 7, he says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? You guys, I'm ruined. I don't want God to hide things from me, what he's doing. Matt, do you want him to hide from you what he's doing at the building? What's possible? I mean, how low do we live when he's, God is saying, huh, should I hide this from Abraham? Maybe I should let him in on this. That is friendship, you guys. That's amazing to me. Well, what's interesting, can I just, you know the story, so we won't read it, but Abraham in verse 23 draws near to God because God's telling them what he's going to do. Maybe I should read it. Genesis 18, 23. Yeah. It's really, again, I was like, oh, to have this kind of relationship. And I do want to say I'm more impressed with these friendships because they didn't have, they weren't born again. They didn't have a brand new spirit. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. He would come upon them for things. But we really are far ahead of them in relationship with heaven than they were. And what they did on sheer determination and wanting to be with God is phenomenal. We should do far more. That's, that's just what I think. So anyway, the Lord says we're going to destroy him. And Abraham came near. This is interesting. Again, God with us, he, he, was a, he came even nearer to God as he's talking. And I'm like, if I'm going to challenge somebody, I kind of want to back up. I don't know about you guys. I don't usually lean in. But I see this as Abraham leaning in. And this is what he says. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should, also, should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That is bold. And he drew near. He got closer to the Lord and said this. That tells me they had a relationship. That tells me there was enough relationship to handle challenge. There was, but it also tells me how God felt about Abraham to even a few verses before. I shouldn't hide this from him. 
And now the fact that he's telling him the one he created is challenging the one who says he's going to do this. And I just love how it goes back and forth. And, and God says, okay, I'll spare it for 50. Then he goes, well, what about if there were 45? Okay, I'll spare it for 45. Well, what if there was 40? Okay. Well, and you'll see Abraham kind of soft, soft pedal his language a little bit, kind of, is what I'm reading into it. He goes down to 30, goes down to 20, goes down to 10. God says, fine. If you can find 10 righteous, I won't destroy it and the Lord leaves. I guess he didn't want any further discussion. (laughs) But what I see is Abraham was very respectful. I I see he had a healthy fear of the Lord, acknowledging you're God, I'm not. Why should I even be talking like this? But God, this is your reputation. Can you imagine as a man or a woman on planet earth, knowing God so well that you want to come and reason with him as to what he says he's going to do and you think it's not quite the best. That's relationship and we're invited into that. But we have to decide if that's what we're going to do. How about, how about Moses? Exodus thirty-three, eleven. the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I'm like, Wow. What drew you, God, to Moses? What, why was he so resilient? Why did he keep coming back to the right thing time and time? And it, none of these people that I've listed are perfect. So it's not like they were just born to be perfect and God said, they're my favorite. There was something in them that was so determined to be connected to God that they get to be called the friend of God. What I find out about Moses and how that he would speak to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. If you go to Numbers 12, five through eight, This is what really got me, is when Aaron and Miriam speak out against Moses, and this is what the Lord has to say about that. When you're God's friend, this is what he says. The Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. How you feeling about now? There's a cloud, and God's voice calls you forward. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, Moses. If we're friends of God, he defends us. Like every one of us could be known in heaven as a friend of God. And I love that song, I am a friend of God, but just because I sing it doesn't mean that I'm a friend of God. (laughs) There's work. There's something that we have to do. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. I put Mary down mother of Jesus, is a friend of God. I think she knew God so well and was known by him that he says, wow, that's who I want to invite. But it was an invitation, just like everything else from the Lord. It's an invitation. Do you want to be his friend? Do you want to know him? The angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, this is what's going to happen. She goes, whew, how can that be? She didn't say no, but she just was trying to, I just don't have any frame of reference. But I think, she had to have just displayed in her young life friendship with God 
because I feel like my guess is that you would choose a friend to carry your son. I can't imagine that you wouldn't be a friend if God asked you to bring the living word into the world. So I know it's possible. All of these that I listed were friends, but they were also servants. I love that one of the definitions in the New Testament of servant is used with the highest dignity. It's really an honor. And it, it really means those who are willing to live under Christ's authority as devoted followers. The more we choose to come under that, the more we're aware of he's with us, that he's Emmanuel. That was my introduction. <laughs> just kidding. John 15. I was going to just stay in John 15, but this is um, where I want to wrap it up. Is This is talking about the vine and the vine dresser. It's talking about close, close relationship that we're invited into. Him being the true vine, Father God being the vine dresser. If we abide in him, his words abide in us. What does that sound like? It sounds like personal knowledge of God, not somebody else's story of God. Well, I heard God said this. I know God says this. So this is the story in that, but it's really interesting. I want to start with verse 13. And he's talking about all of it's good. You can read it later. But greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I've commanded you. So what I find really interesting about friendship and obedience and showing God I love him, the one way I can show God I love him is to do what he says but it's also laying down my life. And I have this privilege of being born in a really tight-knit family. And there were seven of us kids. And they, I literally can tell you we would take a bullet for one another. When there has been family tragedies on different levels, other people would take their vacation and fly across the country and just sit in the hospital with the one that was fighting for their life or all kinds of stuff. But I, I find the more you love the more you're willing to serve and give. And I feel like when I am struggling to give or to love or to serve or to put other people first, I can tell you I probably have not been doing good in the obedience part of my life because it's just tied. And we usually have this thought of obedience is, is the slave mentality. It's not. It's because I love you, God. I want to do what you say. Because you live in me and I want to know you better, Tell me what you're saying and I'll do it. And I feel like that's the friendship that he's talking about. But then he goes on and says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it. These things I command you, that you love one another. And I just feel like there, if you study it out in the original language, 
it really is talking about there's something that changes in the way Jesus relates to his disciples in this something shifted from servant to friends and he didn't speak in mysteries and he didn't he invited them in closer and I just want you to know what they had was awesome and I hear people say a lot well if I could have just lived then then I'd believe or if I could have seen the parting of the Red Sea then I'd believe are you kidding me five days later they weren't believing <laughs> I mean seriously so I think that's just human nature just gimme, 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 then I'll, I'll, then I'll believe. And, and Jesus is saying, if you'll just keep doing what I say, you'll have a fruit that remains. People will know I'm alive. People will know I love them. I, I just think it's so important that we realize that Emmanuel, God with us, has much more to us getting to know him in us and saying yes to what he's called us to. Abraham being a friend of God, remember that? His friendship with God made him lay his promise on an altar. He waited a long time for that son. And his friendship and love for God brought him to a place of obedience that said, okay, if this is what you want, my promise will go on the altar. Do you live like that with God? Where the things you want, you're willing to lay on the altar? It's out of closeness to God that we say, I just want to be with you, and if this is in the way. I feel like that moment on the mountain with Abraham and offering up Isaac showed Abraham's faithfulness. It wasn't a course correction. It wasn't like, oh, let's change his life. It was Abraham to realize just how close he'd gotten to God, that nothing would be in the way, even a promised son. And I feel like we'll never have to sacrifice our promises that God has given us if we're willing to give them up at any time. But that's from living close. You won't have to kill any of your dreams if you're willing to give them to God at any time. A friend of God is a servant. It's living a life laid down. It's the best position of my life. It's the most powerful place. It's the most impactful place. It's the place you find why God chose you. But it comes from, you are with me, God. You are God with me. Lies keep us from the truth, and you're going to have to decide, would I rather believe a lie or would I rather believe God? Because you are believing something. The Bible says God withholds no good things. No good thing from those who walk uprightly. He's given us all things that pertain to life, to life and godliness. That nothing is impossible. That he's with me. He's with you. He's Emmanuel. And I just, I would like to go to Psalm 139. Out of the Passion. Because this is the truth. And if you've been believing God's distance, you've used up all the grace that there was for you, that he doesn't care, 
just would you let this sink into you as I read this? Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with the wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The the night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. So I want to end with that, that you cannot tell me there's anywhere you've been that Emmanuel didn't want to be with you. There's nothing you've done that made God leave you. But whatever you've held firm and fast to that's kept you distance from Emmanuel, would you put that last slide up of that? I want to change Emmanuel from being a Christmas word to the with us God, to the every single day. In the day, in the night, he's with me, and he has a plan for me. But the scripture says there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And if you've believed a lie, if you're living a lie that he's distant, would you stop? Would you repent say, God, I'm sorry that I exalted a lie above the truth of your word? that I literally looked upon what Jesus did and said, oh, he didn't do that for me. He did it for everybody else. That's arrogance. Don't partner with that. But humbly just say, God, I'm gonna acknowledge that you're with me. And not only are you with me, you're for me. And if you're for me, who can be against me? And God, if you already know what I'm going to say and you're going to protect me from my past and you go into my, there's nowhere I can go that you won't be. So God, can I live like that? I want it to be that in you, I live and I move and I have my being. The only one that can choose that is you. So what are you going to choose? Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for being Emmanuel, Jesus. God, we love that you are with us. We repent for pushing you out, for believing lies, for doing things our own way. And we ask Holy Spirit right now that you would just cleanse us from wrong thinking, from partnering with 
the demonic, the dark things that said we weren't good enough. God, whatever needs to take place in this room, you are with us. You are more than enough. And God, I just thank you for the washing of the water of your word that takes residue, just washes it off, that you set us free. And we're going to leave here free indeed. And God, we thank you. We praise you. And I ask that I would never make Emmanuel a Christmas word again, but it would be my everyday word. God, you're with me. Hey, God, you're with me. What do you want to do? But it also gives you permission to correct me, to um, redirect me, to conform me into the image of who you see me to be. We just humbly submit. We say thank you for saying yes to coming to this earth and paying the price. We worship you. We praise you. We love you, Emmanuel. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.